0: Welcome to a self-published author's diary. I am Elodie Novodatsky. I write about first-time, second-chances, things that scare the crap out of me, and things that make me laugh out loud. I'll be speaking with you and sharing my adventures in self-publishing, the the behind-the-scenes of writing, and the business side of it. Before we get started today, a small message from our sponsor, Anchor. Thanks for listening. Hello. I hope you're all doing great and I hope that the weather is as good where you are as in Maryland right now. I walked Plato the dog earlier today, today being the 26th of April, and it was like the perfect weather. The sun was shining, there was a slight breeze, and yes, I like to talk about the weather. Could the weather be a character in a book? Yeah, I think so. You know, like the little chill that makes you tighten the scarf around your neck, or the blistering sun that you sometimes feel on your skin. I mean, it definitely adds something. This is not the topic at hand. I actually have written myself a little note of what I needed to say in the intro and nothing in the notes said, talk about the weather and how you feel about description. So here we go. I have changed the pre-order price of the leftover bride. It is now only 99 cents. Yes, you've heard that right. 99 cents. And the reason why is it is the first book in a series of standalone romance novels and I haven't published anything in years. Like original, not my bilingual books, but original work. And I will change the price to $2.99 three or four days after publication. So this is one of the strategies I've been reading about, about you know, adding the book at 99 cents, get your readers, the one on your mailing list, the one in your review team, to review the book within the first days and maybe also, crossing my fingers, buy it for 99 cents and then switch the price to $2.99 or $3.99, whatever your price is, after a few days and see if it helps your sales at full price. I mean, That book, The Leftover Bride, will be available or is available for pre-order on all e-retailers. But after, I think, about three to four days, I will actually change it to Kindle Unlimited. So I will have The Leftover Bride available for everybody that way. And then the day of publication or the day after publication, I will remove it from the, you know, iTunes and Google and all those e-retailers. And I will add the book in KDP Select so that it's available for Kindle Unlimited readers. And then we'll see. And I will have the second book up for pre-order before I publish the first book. So I will let you know how this strategy works and I will go deeper into my release plan strategy for The Leftover Bride very soon. Talking about the pre-order price to 99 cents and then switching it after um, $2.99 or $3.99. I've seen that in several spots. I've seen that on, I think, the Mark Dawson's class on Kindle Entrepreneur or kindle (laughs) Entrepreneur. That's how it's called. Um, a few message boards and author groups, and then blogs. So there are quite a few spots. I mean, some of them also say like, release your book at full price and then, you know, target certain newsletter and everything. But again, the English speaking market is not my main selling market. I need to be more visible in that market to begin with. So I'm crossing my finger that That 99 cent strategy might gain me a few readers, um, and then they will go on to read the second book in the series. So another thing I've done is that I've purchased Publisher Rocket to try to change my keywords and categories on Amazon. When you publish a book on Amazon, you can choose um, seven keywords and... (laughs) I always try, like the keywords that I think will bring me the most sales or make the most sense. I try to have those keywords in my description as well, um, like in the book description, or I try to have them in the reviews section. But by using Publisher Rocket, I found out that one of the keywords I was using almost had zero searches. Zero searches. So that was helpful to know. (laughs) So what is Publisher Rocket, you may ask? Well, short story, it is a dashboard that helps you search keywords and categories, among other things, and it helps you see how many times people have searched for certain keywords. As I said, I have used other keyword search in the past, but they were pretty cumbersome to use, and so far, Publisher Rocket has been very easy to use. I've only used it at the time of the recording for two days. I will let you know, I'm going to give it a week or two and see if that anything has changed in my sales. I also need to write to Amazon to add some categories to some of my books. So, yep, it's a process. And I mean, maybe it's a good transition to my top three self-publishing mistakes. While I'm talking about my top three self-publishing mistakes, and I'm still learning, there was an article... On the Insights Book pub, there was an article on April 7th, which I have read. And El Penelope also mentioned it, I think, on her podcast, My Imaginary Friends with El Penelope. It was How I Make Six Figures as a Self-Published Author by Ines Johnson. The cool thing about that article, which I'm also linking to, is that She explains her mistakes and she explains how she worked through those mistakes and how she's now making um, six figures. On her post, she mentions that her failures were pretty much a key to her success. And it's a very, very interesting article. Again, I highly recommend it, especially if you're looking to see how um, somebody has successfully learned from her mistakes Me, I'm still in the learning stage and trying to learn through those mistakes and trying to, and crossing my fingers that soon I'll also be able to say that I now make six figures as a self-published author, but it's currently not the case. So if you would like to read an article from somebody who does, then please do check out the link. And again, the author's name is Ines Johnson. So what are my top three self-publishing mistakes? All right, let me preface this by saying that I love daydreaming and I still daydream on a regular basis. I still daydream pretty much daily. So number one, thinking my book would become an instant best-selling success just because it was good. And let me tell you, having a book that's good is not enough. Rationally speaking, I knew it might not be the case, but I thought that most of the early reviews were so positive, even from people I had never met, and that was mind blowing. And I did daydream quite a bit. I sometimes fall asleep dreaming about my books being picked up by Netflix or the Lifetime Movies channel, or you know maybe Reese Witherspoon's has decided that she wants my book in her book club, or I daydream about my Gavard City audiobook series being downloaded thousands, thousands of times with people raving about Megan's narration, which they already do. But now we'd also have thousands of downloads daily. Should I just share a little bit of see me see me not? I will share just thirty seconds. Um, just so you can hear what I'm talking about. For fans of criminal minds comes an audiobook full of heartache, mystery, and romance. See me, see me not is available now. Narrated by Megan Carter. Her sister was kidnapped years ago. He just escaped a doomsday cult. Their terrifying pasts won't let them go. Will they be able to save the people they love before it's too late? See Me, See Me Not is available now on Audible, Amazon, and iTunes. She's, (laughs) I mean her narration is just so good. And we do not have currently thousands of downloads. And we did a royalty share for this book too. And so I am just trying. I'm not crossing my fingers. I mean, I am crossing my fingers, but I'm also working on um, trying to get this audiobook more listeners back to my self-publishing mistakes. So anyways... Back in 2014, a little part of me thought maybe I'd be that overnight success, the one people talk about, not realizing that overnight usually means years of writing and sometimes even years of publishing. At the time, I read about authors succeeding in self publishing, but A, I didn't really define what succeeding would mean for me, and B, I didn't have any benchmarks. Don't get me wrong. I hadn't left it all to sheer luck. No, no, no. I thought I had it all under control. And I was set for success. After all, I had a great cover, early reviews, and a ready plan with cover reveal, blog tours, NetGalley. If you don't know, NetGalley is this website that you can register, that you can get books to give an early review. Or some books are already published and you can still basically download them to review them. At least that's the purpose of it. So all of this meant that I would release my book and everyone, and I mean everyone around the world, would want to download it and I would be an overnight success. And again, by overnight for me, that first book was not the first book I finished writing. The first book I finished writing, which I I'm, I'm really want to get back to at some point, was actually a witch story taking place in France and the United States. So, another spoiler alert in June 2014, when I published 123, I sold 45 copies. 45. So, I was not an overnight success. And yes, granted that book has now sold many more copies than that. It also has been picked up by a French publisher and I even received I received a message from an American teenager telling me that that book has really helped her through some through some tough times and that I mean being able to help somebody going through difficult times is it's it's everything. And I also received a message from a French teenager who mentioned that this book, the French translation of One, Two, Three, which in French is called Vivre et mes Danser, has gotten her to love reading. It's. I think those moments, you know, it's 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 those moments that also help, that also help me to keep going when it comes to writing. It's. Yes, the fact that I do believe that I am writing books that are definitely good enough for readers to love them, because readers who find them do love them. And I am trying to be better at this whole business side of the writing world. But it's also like getting those, those emails from readers and fan arts and just being able to connect with readers in that way, that they reach out and... Tell you how much the book has meant to them is is really, is I think it's something that, that just is just amazing. My second mistake was advertising to the wrong audience. When I first started self-publishing back in 2014, I thought it was essential to have a Facebook page with lots and lots and lots and lots of followers, which may have been true if I had first analyzed the audience that would be most likely to buy my book. I went for a worldwide audience at a time where my books were A, only in English and B, on platforms that were not necessarily accessible to readers all around the world. And at that time, I was not even really targeting my ads. I don't even know. Could we target at that time? I can't remember. Probably. I remember being able to target by country. And maybe I did country and like ebooks. I can't remember. So yes, I had many followers, but not an enormous audience of readers interested in my books. When I've made that mistake again, it was more in a structured manner, meaning that it was actually not necessarily a mistake anymore. It was like trial and error. I was trying to see what ads work the best for different audiences. And so I'm I'm still trying to figure that out. I've succeeded in France But my conversion rate, how many people actually buy a book after clicking on a link, is still way too low in the US market. But nothing, nothing compared to seven years ago. My third self-publishing mistake, not focusing on my newsletter. I remember reading years ago, and I mean years ago, how important it was to have a newsletter because social media algorithms change. And man, do they change. That way, you may build more of a connection with the reader. Some newsletters I subscribe to are only letting me know when the author has a new sell. Others are expanding on the books they're reading, how they're writing, maybe movies or podcasts they're enjoying, or other things going on in their lives. Have I ever bought or reviewed a book based on a newsletter? Yes, yes I have. I have a Facebook readers group, if you're on there, thank you, but I haven't been spending a lot of time on Facebook, and I don't have Facebook on my phone, so every single time I post something on my Facebook group, the reach people who may see it in their feed is about 30 to 50 out of more than 400 Facebook group members. More people open my emails, and it feels like people unsubscribe more when they're no longer interested. So... I mean, it's true that I'm also in Facebook groups I haven't checked in probably, in probably years, but I do think that when you get an email and you, lo- and you no longer want to get an email, you unsubscribe. So that means my list stays pretty relevant in terms of the audience. Yep, I've been refocusing on building my reader's newsletter. If you want to subscribe, by the way, to my reader's newsletter, the link is in this show's episode description and you can also see it or see the link for it on www.elodinovodatsky.com. And when a reader subscribes to my newsletter from my website, they get the password to a page on my website that is exclusive to newsletter subscribers. Just saying. It's a pretty cool page. I keep on adding to it pretty regularly. And I also do wonder there's a new platform that Facebook announced on March 16th. Apparently, they're getting into the newsletter subscription area and do mention also the use of groups in there. So, will that change the algorithm for the groups? Apparently, it might give writers more tools and could help in audience growth. But again, one might be dependent on other changes coming down the line or having to boost posts to be able, like, for people to be able to see them. And it's not like we're also not dependent on changes with emails. When Google introduced the tabs in Gmail, some newsletters ended up in the promotion tabs, which is not necessarily read as often. Not focusing on my newsletter was one of my self-publishing mistakes, mainly also I think because I don't publish a book every two months or so, so newsletters help me stay in touch with my readers in in between, which I do love doing, and it helps me grow my audience. So those are my top three self-publishing mistakes. I have shared five self-publishing mistakes with my self-publishing author's diary weekly email subscribers, so don't hesitate to sign up for that. The link is also on my website and I'm going to add the link where you can um, get the PDF of the five, my top five self-publishing mistakes I mean, I'll share also what has worked for me and what I'm currently, you know, trying out, including some stats, which I've shared some stats, some, st- <laughs> that's hard to say, I've shared some stats, that's very hard to say, last week about a summer like no other, and as I mentioned earlier, here is a little preview of Friday's episode with El Penelope.
1: Hi. My name is Elle Penelope, and I write fantasy and paranormal romance. I'm also the host of the My Imaginary Friends podcast, where I give you a weekly behind-the-scenes look of my life as an author. My first book is Song of Blood and Stone, and it is the first of the Earthsinger Chronicles epic fantasy romance series. When I think of writing, the first three words that come to mind are perseverance, plotting, and keyboard. And those really were the first three words that came to mind. I thought I was going for an alliteration thing and they would all start with Ps, but keyboard came in there and I went with it. Keyboard, because I don't write by hand and I haven't gotten into dictation. So I wouldn't be able to write without a keyboard at this point in my life. Plotting, um, plotting is one of my favorite things to do and to talk about. I collect plotting systems. I like to pull them out when I need them and use them like tools in a toolbox. Um, some, some stories need a certain plotting system and others, other stories need a different one. And sometimes the same story will need multiple plotting systems at different points. And of course, perseverance, which you need for when you're actually doing the writing to finish the book. And when you get into author concerns, publishing, whether it's indie publishing or traditional publishing, perseverance is one of the most important skills a writer can have. Thanks.
0: Thank you so much for listening to help me and to help this podcast of mine. Do not hesitate to... <laughs> the, the, the cat just <laughs> sprinting down the stairs because I am sitting at the computer. Can you hear him? Anyways, um, to help me or to help this podcast and to help this podcast, um, please subscribe, follow the podcast, rate the podcast on Apple Podcast. That would be very, very, very helpful. And don't hesitate to share it with your friends, your family, whoever you think might be interested. And you can pre-order The Leftover Bride at 99 cents. The link is on the episode's description. Happy reading to everyone. And I'll talk to you very soon.